Holly, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And I'm Andrew. Welcome, guys. You had like a different tone to your voice this time. It it threw me off. It's because Andrew's here. I'm excited. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's why. Usually, I'm so sad. It would be wagging right now. <laughs> Circle wagging. I'm blushing. I'm blushing I'd, over I'd, here. I'd be wearing one of my fancy bandanas. You know? <laughs> and he might even be wearing a cone of shame. Right. <laughs> All right, so if Aaron was a dog, I'm saying golden retriever. You guys? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I think Aaron would be a golden retriever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm just, just happy. I don't know dog I was breeds, thinking more but I'm going to say bulldog. yes. <laughs> like a grumpy bulldog. Oh. Wait, wait who's a grumpy bulldog? I was thinking Aaron would be a grumpy bulldog most days. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm sure he'd have those days, but I think most of the time he'd be kind of the happy, you know, energetic uh, golden retriever, wagging his tail, licking faces, you know, sniffing butts, that type of stuff. <laughs> that's because you only see him when he's happy to see you. Uh, that's <laughs> all about the butts. That's, that's all about the butts. So you know, Paul Uh-oh. has uh, you know ex- extolled the virtues of the movie Sicario. Yes. Uh, and, you know, for, for, for ages and ages, you know, Paul has, uh, has uh, you know, said Sicario, great film. So uh, I watched it this weekend. Mm. And boy, Paul, what a huge downer that movie is. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't say it was going to make you do t- wag your tail. <laughs> like, no, no it, it, it's not a happy movie. Well, and I mean, there's a lot of meanness directed towards Emily Blunt, you yeah. know, who is a, an actor that, uh, you know, one tends to like. And you're like, don't choke Emily Blunt out. <laughs> <laughs> don't hit Emily Blunt in the face. Uh, I mean, she has a tough time in that movie. She definitely she has a tough time a, in that movie. <laughs> and, hey, I mean, there, don't there is shame Emily Blunt. <laughs> there is no happiness or joy or sense of victory in this film. No. Uh, I mean, nothing positive is achieved. (laughs) So I watched that Friday night. And so, of course, last night I watched the sequel, Sicario Day of the Soldado. uh, And uh, much more... uh, Satisfying. uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Though, you know, I I have never much cared for Benicio Del Toro. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I just he he is an actor that just rubs me the wrong way. Okay. Loved him in these movies. Yeah. yeah. Also loved Josh Brolin in these movies. Um, I, I mean, I'm like, I, I need to see more of this. Uh, but boy, that first movie, I don't know how they got a sequel made off that first movie because I, I, I finished watching that going, I think I just want to open a vein now. Yeah, it is devoid <laughs> of any joy or, at, or, at all. At all. No brightness, no light. You know, I mean, just wow. That's why Paul likes it. Kind of reflects his inner soul. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, I also watched uh, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Ooh, what did you think about that with Michael B. Jordan? Now, I. I loves me some Michael B. Mm-hmm. You know, I, he is, uh, he, I, he really is emerging to me as a Tom Cruise level action movie guy. Uh, I really do enjoy him a great yeah. deal. And when he I've takes never off not his liked shirt, him in the movie. when you never takes off his shirt, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Just gotta start, say. Start wagging your tail. Yeah, absolutely. And fancy bandana. Uh, he, uh, He's he's amazing, but that movie, I, I like like the idea that they're that they're angling to do a series of these uh, John Clark films. Mm-hmm. 
the first 15, 20 minutes of that movie is excruciating. Um, is that when all the bad stuff happens? Well, it's not just that. It's that the, the storytelling is so clunky. Oh, okay. Um, in particular, the you know the setup for this movie, it's a revenge film, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've read the book. And, yeah, and, and so you know his 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 pregnant wife, you know she is she is pregnant, about to pop, um, and she is you know callously murdered uh, at the beginning of the film, creating the impetus for him to go out and you know hunt down the bad guys. They don't spend any time other than saying, "Hey, here's this really cute woman, who is great big pregnant." And married to Michael B. Jordan. They don't spend any time other than that to make you care about her. So you only care about her very superficially in that she she seems to be a nice person and she's killed. Um, I really wish we had gotten to know her a little bit mm-hmm. so that when he is grieving for his wife, uh, that would feel more potent. That's That was my big objection to it. That she, I mean, it, All they did was, essentially was icebox her, right? Mm-hmm. Uh to, to create the uh, the emotional pressure in the film. And I gotta say, they do that thing in, in action movies that I hate, is that they wound and cripple the the uh, main character, yeah. you know, the protagonist. And then there's, he, he, you know, he has to recover, but they don't spend any time Two in weeks. his therapy. Two yeah. weeks later, he's ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a superhero. He's not Hawkeye. <laughs> but yeah, I, hate, you know, I hate it when they do that, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, he doesn't spend any time having to cope with it, and he goes back to work. And I mean, it's never addressed again. You know, he you see one shot of him working the uh, big rubber bands in therapy, and that's it. <laughs> and you know, he's shot all over, almost dies. And yet he is still superhero in the field. What, um, so what you're saying is you could have used a longer montage. I could have used a longer montage yeah. and it would have been nice to see him, you know, say, man, the shoulders really giving me some trouble as he's, you know, killing off Murdering. all the bad. Guys. Right. Yeah. yeah. So is but he I, still yeah. a, is he still a former seal in the movie? Uh, yes. Yes. Cause there's definitely some changes between the book and, and the movie. Right. I, I don't know if the rest of you guys have read the, uh, the, the book. Cause they, they did in the book, they go into quite a bit of detail about the, the woman, the Pam who's killed. Uh, so in the book, his pregnant wife actually isn't killed by the bad guys. His pregnant wife is actually dies in a car accident. And so he's kind of grieving and trying to get over that when he meets, uh, picks up a hitchhiker. Uh, he lives out on like this Island in Chesapeake Bay. Uh, he picks up this hitchhiker uh, who's running from something and he takes her in is like caring for her and then eventually finds out that she uh, is this runaway who'd been taken and exploited by this gang. I think she was like a, they are prostituting her and so she's trying to get away from them. And so he kind of goes on a, uh, uh, you know, using his training, this kind of uh, uh, murderous vendetta against uh, this gang because they actually track her out to his island and murder her out on her on this island. So then he goes, uh, you know, all uh, revenge film on the uh, gang that, uh, you know, uh, did this to her. In the book is his uh, uh, commander or handler uh, cousin to Jim Greer in the Jack Ryan books. Mm hmm. OK, because that's I was like, it just seems a little weird. You got to have a Greer in every uh, oh. Clancy story. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I don't think that's the case in the book. I, I, okay. it's, it's been a while since the year since I've read it, but I don't I don't remember there being a Greer in the Without Remorse book because it's set 
it's set like back in like a little bit after Vietnam, I right. want to say, is yeah. when the book was set. Right. Because uh, he had been a SEAL during Vietnam and, yeah. uh, and, and that and the kind of the Ryan verse um, uh, book of, uh, you know, Clancy book series. Right. So I'm sure this will surprise no one on this call. I have never read or a Tom Clancy book and never seen any movie based on one. Not even Hunt for Red October. No, I've never actually seen wow. it. I gotta say, if you like war books, Red Storm Rising is so good. It's you know, it's obviously I'll dated. check that out. Yeah, it's it's kind of stands alone. It, it there's some there's some other co- common characters, but uh, it's this you know hypothetical future where the Cold War goes hot, and uh, it is really good. Well, in terms of submarine films, uh, Hunt for Red October is uh, oh yeah right up there. It is a it is yeah right up there with Crimson Tide. It is a super good movie. It is really good. Also, uh, Ice Station Zero. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, 60s era. It is a Rock Hudson thing. Okay. It is I know. I haven't seen it. Fan-freaking-tastic. Ice Station Zero. Okay. Oh. I got it down. Well, what about Operation Petticoat? And I'm sorry. It's Ice Station Zebra. It's not Ice Station Zebra. Zebra. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and then, you know, for comedy submarine films, can you beat up Periscope? No, you can't. You cannot beat it. Because, so you know, it's got Frasier in it. It does. It's Boy, so I said, what about Operation Petticoat? Uh huh. Uh huh. Hugh Grant. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, the, was it Hugh Grant? Hugh Grant or Cary Grant in that one? Uh, Either way, I remember liking it. It's one of the Grants. Yeah. And a submarine that gets painted pink. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. Operation Pet. I got to look it up. It it was uh, Cary Grant, not Hugh Grant. <laughs> <laughs> we we Cary doesn't Grant, know those kinds Tony of things. <laughs> yeah, 1959. Yeah. Ice Station Zebra. It was one of, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? I can't remember. Uh, Howard Hughes's uh, favorite films. Was that before or after he only kept himself in the penthouse? Uh, after, and <laughs> he would he would watch it in the nude. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what you can do, Andrew. It's one of the sexiest submarine movies. <laughs> it's only about those submarine movies. Mm. <laughs> Some sort of imagery there. I just can't quite put my finger on it. Uh, there is, I, there is something about Ice Station Zebra that is, I, I mean, it demands me to watch it every year. I, I I've got it on Blu-ray. It is uh, a, an exquisite movie. I love that movie. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, it is. There is a very much a very tangible, and I mean this in a good way, a very tangible <laughs> on Her Majesty's Secret Service vibe to it because okay. there's all of this Arctic action. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Well, one last Tom Clancy thing before, in, in in case you're wondering, we do talk about comic books here. But one other thing about about Tom Clancy, I uh, about two weeks ago started watching Jack Ryan on Amazon finally with uh, uh, John Krasinski. Yeah, yeah. Love it. burned through the first season. Fantastic. Uh, well. Just as an aside, I still don't understand that whole subplot with the drone pilot. I, I don't know yeah, why that was. Yeah, that, no one does. <laughs> You're right? You could cut that out and it'd be a great show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So besides that, though, great, great first season. I started watching the second season. I'm so into it the other night. I was like, you know what sounds good? I think I'm going to make myself a Cuba Libre. <laughs> good, man. You know, they're down in Venezuela, socialist yeah. country, right next door to Cuba. I was like, yeah, Cuba Libre sounds good. I hate that it's going to be next year before we get season three. Yeah. And do you have do do we have any spoilers about what part of the world we're going to be in for season three? I haven't heard. Yeah. But I mean, you do get. I will say, I think they are, without remorse, is supposedly within the same universe. Universe. They don't really reference each other, but I think the intent is that at some points they could potentially. 
you could see uh yeah you could see clark show up in in an episode of uh of uh jack ryan a little michael b cameo mm-hmm. yeah and i gotta say that guy who plays uh the spec ops guy who always changes his name like he, uh-huh. he's garth love that dude when he yeah, shows he up in, yeah. in the middle of the desert and he's like what's your doctor of and he's like economics he's like uh-huh <laughs> okay let's go this way well i just love yeah my kid thinks i'm an astronaut man yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then and then I, i'm only about two episodes into season two but do they do they come back and explain what happens to emily because right now there's been no mention of emily no reference to they her they really don't talk about her no. she doesn't show up at all in season oh, two man. which is very disappointing it's very disappointing okay yeah. all right Clancy talk over. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's so it's Clancy start- talk with Aaron and Polly. Right. It started it with Taylor Sheridan and then evolved into Clancy talk. Well, I've just watched a lot of unremitting violence this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. There's no transition from that to talk about Justice League Last Ride because there is no violence in Justice League Last Ride. Uh, so this week, issue one, Chip Zdarsky and um, the artist Miguel Mendonca. Uh, Mendoza um, the first issue of Justice League Last Ride it was supposed to be um, a digital first series but I think they scrapped the digital first plans and it's just coming out straight to uh, you know your new comic book day releases um, so this is a, kind of an Elseworlds tale um, well, you know I love how they established that in the first panel mm-hmm you know that you know this is not your this is not the current DC universe when you've got uh, the big fortress of solitude key sitting out there, and I'm like I'm like cool I, I like that you can establish a sense of place in one panel one yeah. small panel I thought that was I thought that was great. Now before we go into this book, I, I will say I read this and Batman the Detective um, both this week, and. Mm-hmm. I wish DC, I know they're going continuity light on their books, uh, you know, as a result of this infinite frontier, like infinite possibilities, infinite universes, blah, blah, blah. I do wish there was some type of marking on what was yeah. Earth. What was con- in universe? Yeah, what's yeah. Earth zero continuity versus what's not, because it's it's actually a little confusing in Batman yeah. the Detective. Um, it's yeah. less confusing here. Like you get that this is sometime in the future where the Justice League has been you know has been dissolved, but it, it, a little notation somewhere would be good. Yeah, I actually wonder when we were reading it, as they mention a crisis and you know some specific events, if it was supposed to have come out around the time of Final Crisis. Yeah, but, but then the ending kind of reveals that, hey, no, this is not the world we're living in, right? Um, or not the, the universe that we're normally reading. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, 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 I don't know, it's interesting to me, the, the, the lack of, you know, wayfinding. Um, mm-hmm. they, they're like, yeah, they'll get it. They know. But, the, you know, there's nothing different about the character designs. And it's just slightly different than the world we know, right? So yeah. it's, it's like when that happens, I, I like a little indicator. Um, even as a comic book reader of you know almost forty years, I you know I still like to know my bearings. God, you're yeah. old. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it. So, it felt more like an old what if than it did a like some of the bigger Elseworlds. Yeah. Like something happened that happened a little differently in this world. Yeah. But a lot of the things are still the same. Versus some of the Elseworlds are so drastically different. It's just 
here's a completely different alternate reality. Yeah, and you don't need to notate that this is Earth 29. Just call it DC Elseworlds. You know, just you know, just tell me it's yeah. not. And I don't know why they don't embrace Elseworlds anymore. Yeah. That's one of those things I've never been able to understand about DC that they walked away from Elseworlds and you know I I I I I gravitate to those kinds of stories. They shouldn't hide they shouldn't hide that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I, I don't get it. But uh, I got to tell you I I was in no way shape or form prepared to enjoy this book as much as I did. But wow, I dug the hell out of this book. I thought this book was terrific. Um, I did not know that the, uh, I, I did not suspect that the person that they were putting on trial was Lobo spoilers. Uh, I, and all the repercussions around that. Uh, I, I like this, the idea of this broken justice league having to come together to, to, to work this crap out. I, I very much enjoyed this book. I liked where the characters were. I liked the, the drama. I liked, uh, Seeing that it was, you know, a, a, a universe pre-crisis, you know, pre-crisis uh, on Infinite Earths, it looks like, because we've got the big key, right, uh, you know, to the fortress. I, I, I dug this book a great deal. Yeah, I really enjoy getting back to that dynamic of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, where Superman and Batman maybe, you know, are a little bit at each other's throats. Right. And Wonder Woman is playing kind of referee between the two. I it's not something I want to see all the time. Right. But I haven't seen it in a little while and I enjoyed it again. It was kind of a callback to a different era. I you know, one of the things that that the the as you get to a more current storybook uh, uh, storytelling, um the Fortress of Solitude generally looks less and less interesting. Uh, you know, everybody gravitates towards the, you know, Richard Donner sort of depiction of, you know, crystals and yada yada versus the, you know, pre-crisis depiction of, you know, really just this multi-level complex with all these different labs and rooms and, you know, zoo and, and whatnot. I always envy Batman's design aesthetic for his, you know, hideout versus Superman's, which never looks to have a particular theme other than cold and his parent, his dead parent statues. Um, I, I really would, I really like this era, you know, the more of the Kurt Swan era of, of Superman, kind of what we're seeing here with the big key, uh, that sort of aesthetic for, for, for the fortress, though I was disappointed in the few panels that we got of the port fortress. It was ice crystals and what all. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get some more in the in the coming issues. I'm sure that maybe that's where they'll hide Lobo. Um, I, I really, I, I liked it. I enjoyed the concept of it. You know, I'm, I'm, it set up enough of a mystery, right? You, it, enough, I should say, multiple mysteries, right? Lobo has killed the new gods and needs to be protected, and then you know, Batman has somehow been responsible for John Jones's death. Like, I want to know more. Yeah, well, uh, I'm sure we'll get to know more. Yeah, so I enjoyed the series, uh, or the, the first issue, Chip Zdarsky, you know, he, he wrote that excellent Invaders book um, yeah. for Marvel Comics, and yeah. so I was, I was super excited about this. Well, and I particularly enjoy Kilowog in a hoodie. <laughs> right? I like the hoodie. <laughs> the hoodie Some of the Green Lantern designs there, I mean, Kilowog in the hoodie was cool. Uh-huh. I like Hal's costume. It's kind of a well, Kingdom perfect. Come callback, like it's not that costume yet. But it's on its way there. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, yeah I, right I, I thought this was a real strong first issue. I dug it a lot. Well, and I also this week got caught up on my uh, Joker. Uh, Joker issue three came out this week. I had not yet read issue two. Um, so it's written by James Tynion the fourth, art by Guillaume March, and um, oh, wow, because issue two had the bomb. Yeah, well, I, I the, the bomb had been spoiled for me online, which I mean, spoiler warnings on, um, you know, it, it's Commissioner Gordon revealing that he knew that he knows Barbara is Batgirl, which you know, depending on what continuity you're reading, he already knew, but you know, so it it, it, it was a big deal in issue two, but I will say, um, so. Though this book is called Joker, this is very much Commissioner Gordon's book. Um, it is probably 75% Commissioner Gordon, 25% Joker. And I will tell you guys, this is probably the best book I'm reading from DC or Marvel. Um, I completely agree. I mean, it just continues to amaze me. And this issue, getting inside Gordon's head about how you know he came out of the whole ordeal with Joker originally looking strong but that joker's been in his head ever since and just the emotional trauma of what joker did to him i love exploring that yeah it so you know commissioner gordon has been hired by an undisclosed um third party to hunt down the joker and kill him and we don't know we find out at the end of issue two who that third party is and i guess i, I won't necessarily spoil that um but he he is he has Batman's resources, mostly Oracle, um, you know, helping him seek out the Joker in I, Venezuela, something like that. Um, and it, it's there's just so much good in this book, and so much th- so much that's cool that's established, like a series of safe houses for villains that they go after big crimes. Um, and the, the just the the writing is so good uh, the art really works for the tone of the book and th- yeah i'm not going to spoil the ending of this book specifically but the ending was just perfect and i i, I am so excited about this book um yeah I, I i think i can say that this is definitely from dc or marvel this is probably my favorite book being published right now it is that good yeah and i, I wasn't lo- looking forward to it I love that, uh, just that interaction when Gordon finally comes face to face with Joker again, puts a gun to his head and Joker's reaction is, I think it's time to shit or get off the pot here, Jim. Yeah, I thought that was great. Aaron, this book is 100% up your alley. Um, Well, you know, when it it hits um, infinite, I will uh, take a look at it. Yeah, I could say without a doubt, this is an Aaron book. Um, mm. It is it is so so good. Highly recommend the Joker series. But well, I gotta I I, I can highly recommend the new storyline in Fantastic Four if you are uh, someone who did not follow through in the uh, King and Black you know tie in issues. I think there were two, yeah. three of those in yeah. Fantastic Four. Um, the new storyline, Bride of Doom, Part One: Rules of Engagement, started out th- this week with uh, Dan Slott writing it, and some truly spectacular artwork by R. B. Silva. Um, this, st- you know, the the, the uh, cover and the title are fully delivered in this book. It wasn't a bait and switch. Uh, you know, Doom does uh, propose to his herald, uh, Victorious. 
Um, but I, I got to say, that wasn't the biggest thing. That wasn't even close to the biggest thing for me in this book. No, not because uh, I am a huge fan of the relationship stuff they do between Johnny and Sky, and then uh, Alicia and Ben and all of that that's going on. And I start reading this issue, and it's like, I love this character of Sky. And uh-huh. in the very beginning, I'm like, something's not right. I'm not liking her. Right. And yeah. then they give you the payoff. Yeah. You know, uh, Johnny's ex-wife, uh, Elijah, the scroll, had been impersonating, you know, at this uh, at this uh, gala celebration, uh, Sky. And, you know, of course, Johnny couldn't tell the difference, just like when she impersonated Alicia Masters way back in the day. He couldn't tell the difference. And, of course, this causes problems between, you know, uh, Johnny and uh, and Sky. Uh, spoilers, by the way. Um, <laughs> Johnny, you know, in his, uh, you know, wounded emotional state winds up hooking up with Victorious, you know, and, you know, it, while they are are. Uh, Post-coital, <laughs> Doom shows up in a hologram and uh, proposes to Victorious for reasons. Yep. And, uh, you know, while, while Johnny hides under the bed, which is hysterical. Meanwhile, yeah. here's here's the big spoiler for me. <laughs> I mean, this caught me so off guard, and I just think it's brilliant. And it's one of those things that Dan Slott does so well. He really does pull some surprises out that are so in character and are so part of a character's history that it just makes sense. And it's like one of those things that I don't know why I didn't see that, but like Johnny has a confrontation with Lijah after she has impersonated uh, sky and, you know, he, he fusses at her and what, whatnot. And she says to him, this is uh, Lijah, the scroll says goodbye johnny storm though i do not wish to part from you i believe it is time for me to rejoin my people cut to the next panel and you see alicia holding a little figurine of Elijah, and she's saying and leave this world forever so yeah alicia messing around with that magic clay that her uh, adopted father the uh the uh puppet master uses and she you know Ben pokes his head in the room and go, you know, hey, baby, how you doing? She's like, oh, fine. Just putting a little cloth over the Elijah figurine. I I mean, man. <laughs> if any character could drive her to that, it would be Elijah. Absolutely. Because they keep bringing back the uh, the time that Elijah was pretending to be her. Right. And, and so, married Johnny. Yeah, right? I, mean, I mean, I mean, it wasn't just pretending to be Alicia. She lived Alicia's life for an extended period of time. I, 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 I got to tell you, blew me away, blew me away. I, this is a fantastic book, and it's not it, what I love. You know, earlier on in the book, you know, somebody's uh, criticizing Johnny about how he lives a soap opera, and very much the rest of his story in this book is a soap opera. It's very dramatic, very, you know, very who's sleeping with whom, that kind of thing. We find out that, you know, the connection that Sky and Johnny share, she knows what he's doing. And so she knows that it wasn't with her. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it is just really a great and terrible scene. I, I, man, I, I, I dug this book a great deal. Well, and I really enjoyed the backup feature too. 
Yeah, 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 there there is a a backup story from back when uh, uh, originally set where when Ben and Reed were in college with with uh, Doom, and then it cuts to you know present day, in which uh, Reed and Doom have a duel, uh, and, and again, terrific story. Love the artwork. Uh, and I forget who the artwork's by. Is it Michael? It's not Michael Cho, is it? It's Javier Rodriguez. Uh, Anyway, terrific, terrific uh, artwork. Very, uh, very much like Michael Cho. Very much like some of the stuff we saw in the original Hawkman series. Um, just, it, just really striking in uh, how it looks, but also a little retro. Yeah. What I love about the story of it is that Doom can't just come out and ask Reed to be his best man. Right. He has to best him and force him into it because that's Doom. Doom can't admit that he wants Reed there. He needs to he needs to have been a victory for him to get Reed there. Right. And that just it speaks so heavily of Doom's character that you know Doom wants his rival there as his best man because it's the closest thing to a friend he has, but he can't just ask him. Yeah. No, I, 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 it was Doom was very much in character in that second story. And even, you know, the glimpse we get of him at the end, you know, uh, he he says that he's going off planet, right, uh, to uh, Victorious and that he needs somebody who can represent him. Uh, and what better way to represent him and his interests and the interests of Latveria than for her to be his queen? So this isn't a, an engagement of love. It's an engagement of responsibility because he plans to go off planet, which brings us to Guardians of the Galaxy issue number 14. Who all read that one? I did. I did. So I, And I, I didn't did. realize they were tied together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, loosely. It's just, you know, the, the, the idea of Fantastic Four is this is the reason he, you know, he, this is happening because yeah. he's going to be, you know, going off into, into the outer space. So, uh, Andrew, what'd you think? Well, you know, I read 13 uh, when it came out. It, it, I was kind of interested in it. I wasn't exactly gripped. But uh, I got to say, when Doom showed up at the end, fantastic. And uh, watching his interactions with uh, that segment, the Guardians of the Galaxy, cracks me up. And the way they eventually kind of dealt with his body swap, you know, body swapping by preying on his hubris, and then uh, you know, Moondragon doing her little maneuver and and making him suffer the indignity of being trapped in the raccoon's body. So good, <laughs> so so good. It, I thought it, you know that's that's kind of a frequent trope we see, right? You know, the the body swap. Yeah, I thought they handled it nicely here, though. I thought that that it was it was exquisitely tailored for for doom right and and yeah. how they how they handled that yeah and they were like I, implying that uh you know the reason he he'd picked tolkien's body was because he secretly has always wanted to be reed richards and he's like <laughs> I, he's like i leave all that to richards and you know goes back to his other body or tries to go back to his regular body but i, I like i like how they uh kind of arrange that to to make him uh leave the kind of superior yeah. weapon that he was using Right, yeah, right. I like that they gave it as a callback of this is something Doom's done before, you know, from a page from his old book. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the whole uh, the sword coming back to Hulkling and then him going through and doing the body switch to get the sword. But well, yeah. And it's, as we, it's, how do you, you know, I, I think one of the questions that you have going into this is how in the hell is Doom going to be a guardian of the galaxy? He's yes. not a good guy. Yeah. He's not a team player. And I like how they kind of bound him into that. 
Yep. Uh, I, I, you know, the, the story made sense. And you know, that, that was a, I know somebody said, Hey, what if we put Dr. Doom on the guardians of the galaxy? And you know, the, the problem that you then have to solve is how do we make that work in a story? And they did it. I just think that they, this was masterful storytelling and, you know, yeah, there's, a, there, you have to, to say, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and they dedicated, yeah. you know, they, they dedicated most of an issue to making that happen, but I right. think it was well worth, I think it was well worth the pages because I assume it's going to be a central kind of, kind of preset right. moving forward to, to how the team's going to work. So I think it was, it was time well spent. Yeah. And, uh, I also enjoyed how the other team used science. They're like, what uh -huh. are the odds of a temperate world that's never been discovered being the exact right place at the exact right time? How is that possible? <laughs> and they're like, oh, <laughs> wait. Yeah, it's yeah, a living planet. That <laughs> caught me completely off guard, too. Yeah, I did, that was real good. They managed to surprise me with that one. As they are talking about Same. it, of course, figured it out, but never really... It's one of those things. It's just a comic book. Of course, they found a planet that was in the right spot. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It cracks me up. And then um, uh, uh, what was the line? Uh, oh, yeah. E Ego is found religion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. I, 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 I you're going to you'll, you'll hear this from me again. You know, I really did enjoy this book. And I think I enjoyed every book I read this week. Um, I, 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 this I was a too, really good for one we're about to talk about. <laughs> well, what's that one, Paul? That one Is it was the one I'm not buying. Yeah, Heroes Reborn issue two. I don't, you know, I picked it up because I saw Wayne was getting it, even after we talked about it last week, and neither one of us was head over heels in it. But I'm like, oh, if Wayne's buying it, I'll buy it. I mean, let me give it one more issue. Like we said, it, the first issue wasn't bad; it just felt unnecessary. Yeah, it was what got me on the for the second issue was how they ended the first issue. Yeah. The well, Finding Captain America. What I don't like about the second issue <laughs> is that it's a, it essentially reads like a Heroes Reborn issue zero or, you know, some type of tie-in. It doesn't read like the second issue of the crossover because the, the cliffhanger that ends issue one where Blade is, you know, going to excavate Captain America because he's never come out of the ice in this world. Um, it's really only addressed in like the last three pages of this issue. And the first, you know, the majority of this book is kind of like the origin or tale of Hyperion in this world. Um, still written by Jason Aaron, but art by Dale Keown and Carlos Magno. And I was excited because Dale Keown, you know, that dude used to draw the hell out of some Hulk and Pitt back in the day. Um, his art has not held up. His style is definitely different than it used to be. Um, I really didn't like this. I like this book kind of pissed me off. It kind of felt like a bait and switch. Like, <laughs> I like hold on, like we're we're gonna get. Like I said, it really felt like you know your free comic book day, Heroes Reborn, more so than it felt <laughs> yeah. like the actual second issue of the crossover. So there are some things in here that I liked, but starting on page two, I got pissed off. Hyperion is incredibly powerful, yes, but he's not that powerful. Page two of the book is Hyperion, you know, Galactus shows up to eat Earth, so Hyperion flies through his head, killing him. Like a bullet, yeah. Yeah, he is not that powerful. You know, he is ridiculously powerful, but he cannot fly through Galactus's head and kill him like a bullet. Oh, I, I think he can. Well, he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, no. Like throughout this book, there's things like that <laughs> happening. That it's like in this, maybe they're going to explain that in this world he's more powerful, but no, yeah, no. Hyperion can't just kill Galactus like that. That's crazy talk. What? Are, come on, guys, pull it together. Yeah, it was, it's it was, Galactus. Yeah, I don't know. The book just felt like very. Um, the, Again, it, it, for me, this didn't feel like the second issue of a crossover. Yeah, and, I like Hyperion being a high school teacher, a high school history. Yeah, teacher. I did like that. That I enjoyed. Uh, I thought the bits with Peter Parker, I were horrible. But now, then you I read, read that crossover, the, didn't you? Then I read time. the Peter Parker crossover, and the and Peter sounding like Jimmy and being all, you know, I don't know, kind of sucking up to him. All of that is an act. Peter hates Hyperion. Oh. So yeah, because, in, this, in this universe, Peter Parker is basically Hyperion's Jimmy Olsen. Kind yeah, of. except what happened was uh, in the crossover, you find out that Hyperion is in a big fight and tosses a billboard and it lands into a store that Aunt May was shopping in and she's killed. Ah. He, he sees Hyperion as a reckless, uh, you know, a hero, but a reckless horrible person that has no regard for people and just is so full of himself with his ego that he can't you know look at humans as people well he's not wrong no he's not (laughs) i enjoyed the spider-man one much more that well the peter parker one more than i thought i would because i read this first and i'm like i'm gonna hate this if they just made him jimmy olsen and I actually enjoyed some of it more than I enjoyed the main book. Yeah. I mean, I'm see, here's the thing. Like I like the blade thing, you know, the, so the last five pages of this book where blade and captain America team up, <laughs> I liked, and I like the Ed McGinnis art. Cause you guys know, I like Ed McGinnis, but again, that was, that was basically like the epilogue to the issue. It wasn't actually the issue, which, you know, reading the description of issue three seems like issue three is going to take the same kind of, um, ta- you know, same kind of format, which is going to be, you know, telling a story set within the Heroes Reborn universe, but the actual crossover plot thread um, won't, you know, will, won't be addressed as part of the main story. And they you know, also made me angry with the Hulk. Uh, with the way they took out the Hulk? Not, not the way they took him out as much as they wanted did, the Hulk to sound like Bizarro. Yeah, did, they did a really poor job with it. Did Hyperion <laughs> fly through Hulk's head? Uh, kind of. I mean, his laser beams did. He shot Hulk. He, he shot <laughs> Hulk full of holes. Yeah, and he says joking. specifically he has to kill him. I think four times before he stays dead. Good lord. Yeah, it's it's not my favorite. Um, but that being said, <laughs> when the book is on sale for a dollar, then I'll pick it up. But this is not a five dollar book to me, um, especially because it, it it does appear that it's going to be kind of a series of of tales at least for the first few issues set in the universe it is a weekly series um for the next seven weeks but yeah next issue looks like it focuses on um the silver witch yeah and for some reason being near captain america takes hyperion's powers away yeah i I wondered that but yeah it didn't make much sense and i've i haven't read blade in a long time has blade always been able to turn into a bat creature and fly no. Because they wasn't in any books I ever read until now. Yeah. No. Oh, he isn't this not issue. that I recall. Really. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I thought about picking this up when the first issue came out. And boy, 
I'm really happy I waited. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it might be worth checking out in in a trade format or in the dollar um, on sale. Sales, yeah, yeah, but yeah. certainly yeah. not uh, not for five dollars an issue. They yeah. said the first issue only got me because of the last page. That's why I bought this issue. Was that was Blade thawing out Captain America? I wanted to see where they went with that, and this book just multiple times pissed me off by taking characters I love and twisting them in ways I didn't care for and right. killing Galactus like a bullet through the brain. Well, let's, <laughs> let's move on to something happier, you know, more, a more joyful book to talk about, you know, seven more secrets number. Yeah, yeah. Seven secrets. Number eight came out uh, this past week. Aaron, what did you think of it? You know, I, th- this book continues to deliver. Um, I, I, I feel like there were a lot of ways this series could have gone off the rails early on. Um, and despite the fact that that I find the manga influences in the way the story is visually told annoying, yeah, uh, I love everything else about this book. Um, and this is, you know, at the end of the first arc, you know, the keepers of the seven secrets lost the first secret. Yeah, you know, it got captured by the enemy, and that secret is opened and revealed, destroying the entire nation's state of switzerland yeah. <laughs> spoiler like, spoiler like galactus i don't have any attachment to switzerland so that didn't bother me <laughs> but they've got all the good chocolate there i you know i kind of thought they might reboot the series start with the number uh one issue and call it six secrets <laughs> <laughs> but no no they didn't go that way yeah well, uh, maybe a line through the seven and the six. Written yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> I, uh, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. What about you, Andrew? Oh, I, I loved it. There's those that great scene at the beginning with showing you all how how all the powerful people are trying to escape uh, the world in the wake of this calamity, and you know they have the one like one overly optimistic billionaire got on a rocket to Mars that was never heard from again. <laughs> but you know, I, I don't you kind of wonder are we gonna i know they're saying that we never heard from him again but maybe <laughs> maybe there's a story there yeah, yeah like when the world didn't hear from him, it doesn't mean we won't and you know like when kanto pulls up in the tour i think it was kanto maybe it wasn't what the guy one of the holders pulls up in the tour bus as the getaway vehicle uh-huh. crack, cracked me up uh-huh. like, no, no one pays any attention to these in paris jump in I, as i'm reading it i'm reading the uh, the motorcycles chasing right behind it my first thought was why don't you just hit the brakes and then, and then they do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You know, I the, the kind of interstitial with them being off in in this other realm was was kind of nice. It was kind of good for uh, uh, I guess character development. Uh, but well, I really, and a nice like, kind of breather uh, breather from the intensity of the yeah. of the of the earlier story. So kind of a palate cleanser, you know, yeah. kind of a little raspberry sorbet there for a you. Little, a little a little sherbet. Yeah. 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 Uh, sorbet. Yeah. So uh, then. <laughs> <laughs> but I really am enjoying them being back in, in the real world and having the uh, the the intensity of the story uh, get pumped back up. I, I am so, so excited after reading this issue to see what happens next. I, I, I just it is amazing to me that the edginess of the series has persisted across so many issues. Yeah. Um, that is a, that is a hard thing to maintain. Um, and yet, uh, Tom Taylor, that's right. Uh, has done an amazing job, you know, keeping us on the edge of our seats and wondering what the next, next thing is going to be. I, I I think it's just, it's been amazing. And wondering what the other secrets are. We know what two of them are out of the seven now. 
Yeah, I it's 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 I'm excited to see. I was not expecting that one. I guess at the end of that one issue, when you see the bright light starting to come out, you kind of know something real bad's about to happen. Oh yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. But yeah, I wasn't expecting it to destroy an entire nation. Yeah. It is exactly, yeah. and it's exactly, it stopped right at the border. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. The secret is a weapon. It's a country killer. Yeah. I, I mean, what are we going to do now? I mean, they, the Swiss cheese, the Swiss chocolates, uh, all the I good mean, things. I mean, I think, I think you're overlooking Swiss the main miss. issue. No, no, you're missing the main issue, Aaron. <laughs> Where are the Vatican going to get their guards now? Fair point. Mm. Yeah. Fair point. The Pope's in danger. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, we got to say that's that's the secret of issue nine. Got to save the Pope. <laughs> I mean, how is that more important than Swiss cheese, Andrew? That's my question. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Swiss cheese. Oh, what get off of my Swiss podcast. Cheese? What about your cocoa? What about your cocoa? I mean, I think there's fine United States brands that make cocoa. <laughs> I'm not wow. too worried about it. Wait, 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 wait. Are Toblerones made in Switzerland? Hashtag not my cocoa. Just assume yes. Oh, well, if Toblerones are made there, I've got an issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, what about I'm, that Ricola? Isn't that Ricola stuff come? Doesn't that come from there? The cough drops? It does. <laughs> I'm more concerned about all the Swiss bank accounts. I mean, how am I going to launder Paul's money now? That's <laughs> right. That's right. Is that how you pay for all your comics this week? <laughs> and porn. <laughs> because, you know, Wayne's a purist. He still pays for porn. Just not with my own money, with Paul's. <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's right. You got it. I'm Wayne not crazy. Is a, Wayne is an honest man. <laughs> well, hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, speaking of Tom Taylor, the new issue of Nightwing, issue 80 from Tom Taylor, comes out from DC Comics. Very and, exciting. Mm-hmm. And so does the new issue of Justice League, uh, issue 61 from Brian Michael Bendis. Um, Wonder Girl, issue one from Joelle Jones, comes out. Mm. I'm very much Ooh. looking forward to that one. Mm. Is that the one that follows on with uh, the new Wonder Woman? Yeah, Yara Floor. Yeah, and that's next week? Mm-hmm. So excited. And from Marvel Comics, you have Heroes Reborn Issue 3, which I'm not picking up. Um, <laughs> yet another relaunch of Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi Issue 1. Seriously? Yes. It feels like, this... like it's, it's like the third one in, in the course of the past year. I think it's the ninth Shang Chi number one in the in the last you know twelve months. Yeah, yeah. it feels Ugh, like it. <laughs> I didn't even know the mini series ever finished. Me yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, from Image Comics, the newest issue of Radiant Black from Kyle Higgins. Oh yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good deal. Well, that sounds exciting, Paul. I'm looking forward to another great week in comics, just like this week. You know, and, you know, as long as you're avoiding Heroes Reborn, I think that's the story we told today. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, are, are you going in on the new Shang-Chi? I know you're a sucker no. for it. I know you you're know, a sucker. I, I understand Catman's going to be in it. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> they're facing off. That's right. That's right. It's the... Uh, it's the DC Marvel, uh, you know, versus that you really wanted to see Shang Chi versus Catman. It's the face off before they team up. I would so be in. I would buy it. <laughs> would All right, I so feel good. like I'm going to be reading Shang Chi with Aaron next week. Then. Well, All I'm right. going to look yeah. at the art. We'll see how the preview art looks. Oh. To I'll go from there. See if this relaunch captures me. <laughs> well, I, hey, bet, we wanted, I bet we he looks know. more like the movie character. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, we want to know what uh, you think of uh, Catman versus Shang-Chi. And no, all the good wins come out next week. <laughs> Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number one, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable 
ideology of madness surprise you can also hit us up on social media iom geek on facebook instagram and twitter very good all right well can't wait i'm gonna go put my Catman t-shirt on and get ready for that comic book to drop he's gonna wear it for a full week that's right that's right hashtag team shang chi <laughs> hashtag not my shang chi <laughs> i just put not my in front of everything bye <laughs> talk to you guys later bye Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs>